Religiosity can complicate our relationship with God, and it can feel more like a heavy burden or boxes to check than a deeply personal connection with our Creator. We are also surrounded with messages that tell us that our value is in our ability to get things done, while at the same time saying that we as women shouldn't stand out or draw attention to ourselves. My name is Emily Lewis, and you're listening to the Abundant Grace Podcast. For 26 years of my life, I felt like it was my responsibility to keep God happy by doing all the things. I was desperate to be good and to belong. So I exhausted myself by checking the boxes and squeezing myself into the expectations of what others and what I thought God wanted from me. But when I learned that God loves me unconditionally and with radical grace, that allowed me to let go of toxic relationships with the church and myself. Now, as a beloved daughter of God, a wife, a mom, a kids ministry pastor, a speaker, and a worthiness coach, I am confidently living the life that God meant for me. I'm here to help you overcome beliefs that are no longer serving you so that you too can live a well-rested life, ask for what you want, confidently expect to receive what you're worth, and have deep, authentic relationships with God, yourself, and others. When you are grounded in God's grace and own who He says you already are, it opens up the door for the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. I'm Emily Lewis, and I'm so glad you're here, friend. Hey there, friend. Welcome to this week's episode on the Abundant Grace Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Today's topic is a big one. Not that it's like deep theologically or hard to apply to our lives or anything. It just impacts so many different facets and areas of our lives. So I'm going to try to give you lots of different practical examples of how this plays out and how it shows up in our life. So we would think that the things that happen to us and the choices that we make would dictate pretty much most of our life. But that's only partly true. What has equal or greater impact on us is the story or the meaning that we assign to what happens to us, the narrative that creates around this. So to make this super practical, I'm going to jump in with an example. Say you yell at your kids. We can then create a narrative around that that says, I'm a terrible parent. I never get this right. I'm never going to get this right. I'm never going to break these generational curses off. I'm such a terrible parent. I can't believe I made this mistake. And we can spiral over it because we're assigning meaning to that where we could step back in from a more grounded spot, address what's going on, what we did or what someone else did to us is applicable in both. So in this example of yelling at our kids, we could go, yeah, what I did was wrong, but I don't have to assign meaning to that. I don't have to assign a new narrative or story or continue to perpetuate an old old narrative either. You can separate that from an old narrative while still being repentant and asking the correct parties for forgiveness and reconciling, restoration, all of the things that we need to do when we make a mistake can be done without us assigning meaning to this. I really learned this a lot last year with my business coach when trying new things, when you're doing things in business and you're um, launching or you're offering new things 
to the world, to the people who are following you to see if they are interested, it can be really easy to assign meaning and worth and value to that. Like, oh, nobody bought my thing. I must, I must not be meant to do this, you could say. Or like, it's never going to work out. Or I just must not know what I'm doing if nobody's buying this thing that I am offering them. Like it, it can mean something about me. I'm not a good business owner. I'll never be a business owner, whatever we can create that narrative, that story. So we have to be aware of the meaning and the stories that we're assigning to things in our life. Here's another really classic example. You text a friend, they don't text you back. Maybe you think, oh, it's just no big deal. They'll get back to me when they get back to me. And it goes by a few hours and then you see that they're on social media, the little green dots on and you're like, darn it, they're, they're scrolling social media and they're not, they never texted me back. And what I asked them was really important or whatever. And then the story can start. I must not be a very good friend or I must not be valuable in their life. They, they must think that I said something wrong or maybe I made a mistake or maybe they don't like me or maybe like whatever that spiral that we get into that says something about us when in reality, all it means, all it might mean is they forgot to reply. Maybe they don't have the capacity to, but they have the capacity to numb out or maybe it's a whole slew of other things. They were waiting to check with someone else before they replied to you so they could give you a full straightforward answer instead of like, Hey, I'll get back to you on that. Who knows what the reason they didn't reply is yet. How many times have we made this about us? Like our insecurities start cropping up and are like, this means something you know, this means something about you and that they don't X, Y, Z, or you're not enough X, Y, Z. And we can start assigning meaning to the things that happen to us that don't actually even fit the situation. What this essentially is, is learning to not take things personally too. Even things that we do, not taking them personally, not letting them mean more than they need to mean. We can assign meaning in that we can analyze the situation and go, oh, maybe the person that talked to me really snippy, it wasn't because of something that I did. It wasn't something that I need to do differently or I need to be a better friend or like all of this stuff that goes on in our head. Maybe it's just that they were having a bad day and that's it. And that's the only meaning that we need to assign to it, but we don't need to start creating narratives and stories about ourselves. See, I teach this in the own your worth and confidently you programs that my group programs that the way that we approach the stories about ourselves and the things that we hear about ourselves usually confirms something that we already believe to be true about us or confirms something that we already didn't believe about ourselves. This is where insecurities get fed. So you can have a belief about yourself that you're not a good, say, friend or team member on something. And then when you drop the ball and you miss a deadline or you 
miss your part of the assignment. Maybe you're sick and you don't contribute the way that you wanted to for a friend in need or on a certain project. This can perpetuate the belief that you aren't a good team member or you're not a good friend. If that's something that you already held or it works for something you don't believe that you're good enough for either, you can let the things that happen to you perpetuate insecurity and perpetuate the stories that you already believe about yourself. That's why it's crucial to interrupt these stories and narratives and these beliefs about yourself so that you can stop assigning meaning to them, to the events that are happening to almost confirm the thing that you believe about yourself. Like that whole confirmation bias thing where we're looking for things that support what we already believe. And it can be to our detriment when we are propping up belief about ourselves that actually limits us and holds us back. So if you already believe that you're a failure or that you're not a good team member or that you're not a great business owner, those things can be devastating, but they're low-hanging fruit. They keep us stuck. They keep us from up-leveling. They keep us from what is next, but they're low-hanging fruit in in that they already align with our beliefs. So we have to disrupt what's going on in our beliefs so that we can stop perpetuating the story and the meaning that we are assigning to the things that are happening to us. Another thing that is easy to take personally is how our kids talk to us or how our kids are acting. It's so easy to take it as a meaning of something that we're doing, especially unhealthy if we're judging off of one or two actions that they're doing. I think this could be assigned to a couple different meanings. We can take this personally a couple different ways, but say your kid stomps off, slams the door. It can feel embarrassing. Like I'm failing as a parent. What would so-and-so think? Or maybe someone is sitting in your living room and watches this happen. And it can be really embarrassing. We can take it personally to mean something about ourselves. It's also shows up when my kid is disrespectful to me it's easy to feel like, how dare you talk to me that way? How dare you disrespect me rather than what's going on in their heart? Because when we address what's going on in their heart, then we can get to the root and we can kind of take ourselves out of the situation. We can teach them respect. We can teach them kindness and care. We can teach them to be more aware of what's going on inside of them rather than just reacting based on how their actions made us feel if we're taking it personally, you know? And the last big example that I want to give before we wrap up is in our relationship with God. When something goes wrong or a prayer isn't answered, it can be second nature to us, depending on how we were raised, to believe that God is angry at us. Or if we're not finding the same fulfillment and connection in our spiritual practices or routines, it can be easy to assign meaning to that. Like, I'm just not a good Christian. I must not be doing this right. God must be mad at me. Where is God? Those thoughts have happened to me. Have they happened to you? Where 
it's just so easy to spiral down that rabbit hole of meaning. Like if I'm not doing X, Y, Z, or if God isn't showing up in the same way, or I'm not experiencing the same feeling that it means that I'm doing something wrong, or it means that God is far away or God doesn't care, or I did something and I'm sideways with God now. And who knows if I'll ever get back to the way it should be. I'm guessing that you can relate to at least one of the examples that I covered in this episode. And I'm sure you thought of more ways that you can apply this to your life so that you can disrupt some of these stories and invite God to disrupt some of these meanings that you have assigned to things. Also, some of the stories that we're living, we're living them because we have evidence for them. We can look back and say, yeah, that's what happens when I do X, Y, Z, or I have evidence that this will never work out or whatever. Invite God into redeem that story. Jesus is in the redeeming business where he can take something that's broken and seemingly beyond repair and create something new and beautiful from that. Even more exquisite and powerful than what was there originally. So make sure that as you are doing the practical steps I'm going to give you next, that you're also inviting God into healing and redeeming these stories. Ask him where he's going to show up and shift a story or a narrative or a meaning in your life. And before we go, I'll give you a handful of things that you can do to start disrupting that pattern. Get someone else's input and viewpoint and vantage point perspective on your life to try to disrupt that. That might be a coach, a therapist, a trusted friend, somebody who can speak life over you and into your life, who you trust to do that. You can get some affirmations or get some Bible verses and start speaking some declarations over your life for beliefs that you want to be walking in so that you don't have to walk in the old narratives and the old meanings that you're assigning or letting be assigned to your life and the way that you're showing up. I would also love to support you and help you do this work. I can help you get down to the root of why you have this insecurity and this fear that what is that fear protecting? Does that fear is serving you in some way to keep you safe from a perceived or potential threat? And once we know that we are safe and loved, then we can heal that hurt spot that is perpetuating these stories so we can lay a new foundation of belief in what you actually want to be believing the truth of what God says about you, the truth of your worthiness of your God given identity. There are multiple ways that you can work with me, whether it's in a group setting or exclusive one-on-one settings, go to yourrelationshipwithgod.com forward slash coaching, put your name and your email address there, and I will reach out to you Or just send me a DM on Instagram and we can connect there and chat and see what is the next best step for your healing, for your growth, and for your transformation. Breakthrough is so possible, friend. You do not have to live in these narratives and these stories. And I just feel like hitting this one. I know I was wrapping up, but I'm going to hit this one real quick. 
the story and narrative that you won't ever change is just that a story and a narrative. If you've been living in a certain pattern, you can break out of that pattern. And there is somewhere been assigned to you. If you're believing you can't some kind of meaning assigned to the fact that you haven't done this before, or that you won't get breakthrough because you have evidence that suggests that you won't get the, you won't figure this out, right? We have this evidence that's piling up. We're like, yeah, I haven't figured out yet. So obviously I'm not going to figure it out. I'm not going to get victory over this thing. I'm not going to get a breakthrough because I've never gotten before, or I don't know how I could get breakthrough immediately over something that's never happened to me in my life. And you're assigning meaning based off of past evidence rather than the truth that breakthrough is possible, that God can heal, that there is so much potential for change and for new growth. You do not have to stay the same and you don't have to carry around that story that you will be stuck. You are not stuck. There's so much potential and so much opportunity for you. I love you. I'm cheering you on and I'm praying for you. Please reach out if you are ready to take this next step or if you have questions and want to see what the next best step is for you. Thanks for hanging out with me and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Abundant Grace Podcast. If this episode was an encouragement to you or you heard a nugget that you needed, I invite you to share it with a friend. Who else relates and would be blessed by today's episode? And it would help me out so much if you would leave a review for the Abundant Grace Podcast. It makes a world of difference getting this podcast into the ears of other people so that they can be empowered to own their worth too. As always, I would love to hear from you. You can find me hanging out on Instagram, emily.abundantgrace, or you can send me an email at hello at emilyklewis.com. I'm praying for you and cheering you on in your faith and healing. Have a great rest of your day. And remember, there is nothing you can do to add or take away from your worth. And there is nothing you can do that will make God love you more and nothing you have done that makes God love you any less.